This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast. Podcast of myself, Ross and Joe to everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, Joe, uh, it's been a pretty eventful weekend Dons-wise and uh, been a little while since recorded, but how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, I had a nice little break over Easter. Um, looks like the players had a little bit of a break for the first 20 minutes of uh, Monday's game, <laughs> but um, I'm sure we'll get into it. But yeah, as good as, good as can be. Yeah, how was your Easter actually? You had a nice little rest, did you say, or...? Yeah, I had two days off in a row, which is the first oh, time very nice. I've done that in about six months. So, yeah, fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, unfortunately, Ross uh, can't join us tonight. He's taken a little extended Easter break. Let uh, me joke, he's just got some uh, personal things he wants to sort out. Um, but we've been lucky enough to get uh, Jack back onto the podcast. Uh, so, Jack, how was your Easter first of all? And uh, how are you doing? Well, uh, Easter was good. Thank you. I'm doing great. Um, yeah, just had a few days off, just uh, moping about the house at uni. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Thank you. Yeah, good to hear. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same myself. Well, apart from a uni house, match your parents' house at the moment. But yeah, pretty similar to yourself, Jack. Okay, um, two other defeat to Crew on Easter Monday. Of course, we had to wait a little while before we had to play because due to what happened with Lincoln, and we're playing Lincoln now on Tuesday. Um, so that'll be our next game we actually preview. So that'll be uh, after the Ipswich game. But yeah, um, Pretty disappointing performance. Um, we'll get into the nitty gritty in terms of what we actually thought of the game, but a little brief overview. Um, first 20 minutes, uh, pretty poor. Obviously, the first goal, Zach Jules gets the ball from Ethan Laird, um, plays it over the trouble, and then the ball gets sprayed from between Dale and Kirk, and Mandron finishes it. Uh, second goal, uh, long ball from Pickering, pretty much. And then Kirk gets hold of it. Whenever Kirk gets hold of the ball, it's usually bad things happen. A uh, little nice little flick to Mandron, and that was 2 0. Um, and after that, it took us a very long time to get back to the game. Um, but with the subs of Fraser and Kasumi, we did. Um, and to be honest, the last 10 minutes, he really put them under pressure and we're unlucky, in my opinion, not to get anything from the game. Uh, some people may not like that comment, but I think it's the truth. You know, the amount of saves that Yaskaladen uh, had to make towards the end, um, you know, if, if two of those, two of those could either have gone, in my opinion. 
Um, it's a shame he took too long to take the brakes off, quite frankly. Um, so that's my general thoughts on the game. Um, I'll pass it over to uh, Jack, first of all. Uh, so Jack, what was your thoughts on the crew game overall? Yeah, I suppose I echo what you said. Um, the slow start definitely cost us. Um, I think the first few minutes, they had a free kick on the uh, right-hand side of our box and Mandra had an open header. And I think that sort of um, sort of exemplified how those first 20 minutes went. We just weren't at the races and it did cost us. You know, he got that first goal in. And um, yeah, the defence didn't look as assured as it, as it has in recent weeks. I think Zach Jules is a second start at that left centre-back role. And I think in that position where you've just got a bit more responsibility than as a left as a left wing back, I think he just looked a little bit uncomfortable at times. Um, I think he lost the ball about 15 times uh, during the game. So, um, yeah, I think it's something he's going to have to grow into um, over time. But I wanted to give him that time. I think Warren Hora, Warren Hora at the start of the season, you know, didn't look didn't look exactly um, well, as good as he does now. Um, I think it's just a case of him growing. And um, now that we've got, you know, what, nine games left of the season, um, I, th- I think it's a perfect time for the squad just to sort of uh, just just grow, I suppose, under no real pressure. Yeah, we're very fortunate to, well, compared to previous seasons, we're very fortunate to have that time to let players like Zach, you know, come into this position and try and learn learn a bit more. Um, of course, Louis has been out of the team the past two games. And uh, Zach, I mean, I called it, I think I called it a rude awakening in my notes. It kind of was in a way, you know, I feel we've seen teams like Crew press us a fair bit um, in previous games of season, like the likes of Plymouth, for example. I think of many more as well. Um, and yeah, I think it's just a bit of a wake-up call for him. And yeah, as you said, there's plenty of time for him to get used to that role. And uh, I'm sure he will, because we've seen there's, there's potential there. And I think he got a lot of criticism um, yeah. on Monday, which it wasn't unwarranted, um, but it was definitely harsh, in my opinion. Okay, um, Joe, what were your general thoughts on the Crew game? Yeah, I think yes, you guys covered it pretty well. You know, I thought the first twenty minutes it, it was disappointing, and I think it, it it almost looked like we'd had you know sort of eight, ten, eight, what was it, eight or nine days since our last game, and yeah. it almost looked yeah, it, it almost looked as if you know they hadn't they didn't know each other at times. I think you know just a few just, just it wasn't as if you know I think their press was really good. I think we struggled to get the passing going. It was just a bit sloppy. Um, but but we did have moments where when we actually got it passed from the defence to the midfield, we did actually, you know, sort of craft some decent sort of possession and and went from there. I think, you know, they, they scored two from three shots in the game. They were clinical. And from then onwards, you know, they didn't really have to do much. Um, it was sort of just saying, right, they were, you know, they were more than happy to sit on that lead. And um, and it's not as if we didn't create chances ourselves. Um, of course, they are going to sit back, as we said. But, you know, we missed two one-on-ones. Um, you know, second half, they did look a bit tired. They start, they dropped back. And like I say, two, a couple of great saves from Yask the line. And, and um, you know, if one of the, if that Cami one-on-one goes, he rounds the keeper and he hits the post. Uh, I think that was about 47, 50 minutes, something like that. You know, if that goes in, you've got a whole half and you're only one goal behind. You know, I... Yeah, I, I can. I could definitely have seen us taking something from that. Um, so yeah, I thought Crew were great first twenty minutes, but I think it, that that kind of made us wake up. We grew into the game, and with a little bit of better finishing and the keeper maybe not having such a good day, I think that we could be here talking about a completely different result. 
that Cami chance. That's the neat wasn't your day when Cami put that away. Like every every other game of season, he's been putting their chances away. I was the at one work time we need him again. Yeah, I absolutely dashed my water bottle across the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah, that was the point for me where I thought, okay, we're gonna we're gonna struggle here because literally every other game of season, Cami's put that chance away, and the one this is the first time I think he hasn't. Maybe ASC as well. He didn't put it away, but that was a different reason completely. Um, so yeah, frustrating for sure. Um, I suppose there's a lot of praise Dan Harvey after the game, which uh, of course, well, for the first 15 minutes, he was playing right wing back, which because uh, Rush decided to play Ethan Laird there for the start, which uh, clearly didn't work. Uh, obviously, that's quite surprising for the majority of us, I think. And of course, he switched that pretty fairly early on. But uh, yeah, Dan Harvey got a lot of praise from, I think, majority of people in the game. And uh, yeah, I think it's fairly warranted. You know, he won his ground draws pretty well. I believe he won five out of eight. Um, Attacking-wise, maybe he liked it a bit more. But I feel like he created enough. And it was down more down to the other players not taking their chances well enough or the keeper saving them, um, him not to get a few assists. So, Jack, what were your general thoughts on Dan Harvey on Monday? Yeah, I, th- I, thought, I thought Dan Harvey played well um, going up and down the wing. He's one of those players, again, who at the start of the season, he was in and out of the squad a little bit. People were sort of saying, you know, is he as good is, is he as good as we think he is? Can he adapt? And it's just one of those where, especially playing the sort of football we do, it's going to take time for these players to adjust to it. And I think we're seeing that with Danny Harvey now. Um, and the players like, like Zach Jules, it's going to take time, um, which obviously... I'm willing to give them because, you know, as Russ says, you've got to trust the process and ignore the noise and, you know, not focus, not not, not be result-driven, be, be driven by the process. Um, yeah, I thought Daniel Harvey played very well. I think Ethan Laird played well as well. Um, again, there's, there's a lot of competition there because obviously you've got um, Matty Shoranola coming in. Um, so, yeah, really promising in those positions. Um, and I think, yeah, we, we look a real threat on uh, from the wing. The wing-backs really add a lot going forward. Uh, yeah, I, I thought Dan Harvey played well overall. Yeah, and it's Joe, it's so important for the wing-backs to be quite prominent going forward, isn't it? Because that's our main outlet when we turn to try and create space. And, you know, if you really want to use the overlap of centre-backs like Warren and whether it's uh, Zach or Louis. Um, so, yeah, it's quite important that Dan Harvey and Saif and Laird on Monday were uh, playing quite well despite not getting a result. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, one thing we spoke about with, you know, when Matty Sorinola, he had um, a couple of really good games and then he kind of, we just didn't see that sort of same sort of thing in the last couple of games. So I think, you know, Dan Harvey's deserved to stay in because he's, he, he's come in, he's taken his chance. And it's not just the, the crossing ability you get with Dan Harvey. It's, you know, like we, we love to say the risk taken. He's, he's, he's not afraid to use either foot. He can cut in, he can go outside. And uh, as Russ Martin said, he's a, he's a bit of a feisty character as well. And see, sometimes you just need those horrible people, not horrible, but you need, <laughs> you, you need a bit of a, you know, you need a bit of a nasty streak going through the team and you need a bit of, you know, someone to drag other people up and and get involved. And, yeah, I, I really like Dan Harvey. I think, personally, he's been our, well, our, uh, most consistent. I think, given that he's not actually had a run of probably more than three games, I think he's been, you know, brilliant this season. And I think that, it, you know, we've seen in flashes what we what he can do. And it's just about, you know, hopefully he gets a run until the end of the season now. I'd, I'd really like to see that. Yeah, well, the longer this uh, contract situation, Matty Sornola continues, I think that'll be the case, to be honest. Uh, Even so, seen... I think he should. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe so. Maybe he's maybe he deserves it regardless. But I think you've got to take into account that. And Russ has been pretty 
he cleared a press conference today that those contracts on the table or they're about to be put on the table and if then if they're not signed, they're not signed. Like that'll be it. Um so yeah, he seems pretty adamant in most positions to play the plays he's gonna have next season. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see a player like Dan Harvey making the most of that. And um yeah, being a, a promising part of the team rather than a negative part of it. Um a player that I thought I'm not sure if it was harsh or not. I mean, you guys can enlighten me. Um, who got a bit of bit of bad press, I suppose, yesterday was McEachern. Um, yesterday, sorry, Monday. Um, from what we can see regarding his passing stats, as quite a few comments of him giving the ball away a lot. Uh, I know Toby Lock gave him a four point five, I think, for his player rating, which is I think by far the lowest in the team. Um, and, but from what I can see here, in the six minutes he played, he only gave the away ball, gave the ball away twelve times. And he still had a passing accuracy of 83%. So, Jack, I don't know if you can let me know. Did you think McEachern was the worst player on the team on on Monday? Um, and sort of agree with Toby Locke, or do you not? Do you disagree? Uh, no, I don't think he was the worst player on the team. Um, I was actually watching the um, the, the game on, on iFollow, and I had the uh, three counties um, radio over the back over the back of it. Um, and I think um, Toby Locke pointed out that in like the first 90 seconds of the game, um, McEachern had lost the ball three times. So I think with some of those things, you, you know, when, when that's, that's gone down in his report, perhaps it's something that's stuck in his mind uh, because he did have a really slow start to the game. Um, but no, I don't think he was the worst player on the pitch. I think the, the stats there you, you've said sort of show that. Um, he's, he's not a spectacular player. He's not a player that's maybe going to get you goals um, or, or, or sort of get you assists. But he's one of those players which sort of adds that, like, makes the midfield solid and, and sort of gives you that that strength um in the midfield um I, I don't think it was the, I don't think it was the worst player on the pitch I think that's a bit harsh I think a 4.5 is, is a bit harsh uh perhaps maybe a five and a half or a six I don't think he was outstanding uh so yeah I, I don't I wouldn't say I wouldn't agree with Toby Locke in that respect no yeah I mean even even the main villain of the day Zach Jules got a 5.5 so uh I think the same Akeka was a whole point lower than uh, Zach Jules is uh, an interesting take and I think Joe McEachern's been so consistent in this team since you know he's come in I think uh, especially starting anyway you know I think even if he did have a bit of an off game you know I think he was due that wasn't he really well, yeah, yeah but I don't think he had that bad of a game I think I think that one thing I was looking out for because I couldn't work out in like the first 15-20 minutes we just couldn't string some pass a few passes together and I was trying to just like look at what the defenders were doing because the defenders were passing it around themselves. I fine, but I was looking at a few times when you know Zach Jules on the that his side perhaps he'd play a ball into McEachern, but he'd play a ball into McEachern that was either hard for him to control or where McEachern was surrounded by two or three players. I think we saw it you know a few weeks ago when um, Harry Darling lost the ball um, against Blackpool and they went through and scored. In no way or shape or form was that Harry Darling's fault because he actually gets played the ball with three players around him, pirouettes, and then gets tackled by one of those players. And I think sometimes, you know, if you're not, if, you know, obviously McEachern, you know, he's a midfielder, it's his job to try and find space and help out the defenders. But if he's being played the ball in areas that, you know, because let's get it right, Crew pressed well in the first 20, 25 minutes, but I don't think that the defence played out well enough. If you know, if we're going to play this way, you know, when you play it in central midfield, you need to be aware of not just, oh, look, there's a man that I can get a clear pass to, but sometimes you've got to think a couple steps ahead. And if someone's passing to McEachern and he's got a couple men bearing down on him, of course he's going to find it difficult to keep hold of the ball. 
Um, so I think there was an element of that. Obviously, you know, it wasn't his best game, but I don't think it was necessarily a bad game for him. Yeah, uh, well, on the subject of uh, the player ratings, I suppose, uh, another player who Russ actually called one of his better players on the day, and I actually agree, was Warren O'Hora. I thought in a performance like we did play, I thought he was absolutely excellent, to be honest. You know, going back to the numbers again, uh, 95% pass completion, uh, long balls, even then he got 10 out of 11. Um, we've mentioned about him, the ground jewels, even he's going to go many ground jewels, Warren. Um, he had a bit of a deal with Mandarin, I suppose, towards the start of the game, but even he won 75% of his ground jewels. So, yeah, I mean, he was unlucky not to be in man of match contention for me. Um, <laughs> admittedly, it was a poor performance. Maybe giving man of match to a player was a, maybe the, not the best thing to do, but I mean, Joe, I, I thought Warren was one of the better players on set, um, Monday. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think I think maybe there was moments where there was maybe a lapse of concentration or something. But in terms of, the, you know, that's a moment. I think in terms of general play, you know, we had a lot of the ball. And I felt that Warren, you know, his side, you know, I, I think it's no surprise. You know, I, he, he, I thought he played the ball quite well. He drove. And, and I'd just like to say as well, I think Jules grew into the game. I think because we saw late on, he, he made a really powerful, but he ran like 40, 50 yards. And, you know, that's what we, you know, that's what he ha- is capable of. He's obviously athletic, powerful. You know, Russ mentioned his athleticism as one of his biggest attributes. And I think, you know, with Jules, we just want to see that consistently. And I think with Warren, it was like you met, like um, we've com- sort of, um, you know, we, we've said about there's almost a comparison in the way that, you know, it's, Warren's really grown and he's grown to be more consistent because there's flashes of greatness and you know real responsibility that he's taken upon his shoulders but now he's starting to show it a bit more consistently and I think you know in in, in crucial moments could he have done a bit better maybe but I think overall he had a pretty solid game and was no worse than than a few a few of the players on the pitch for sure. Yeah, um, I say I, I have to agree. And, you know, Jackie mentioned about, you know, the start of the game in Mandarin. I think any most defenders in the league are going to struggle with a player like Mikel, who's you know, quite tall, quite physical. Our defence typically doesn't really like those physical type of players. You know, we've seen it in many games this season where we've struggled to deal with those type of strikers and then we've ended up losing games. So I, I do you agree that it was a bit harsher, Warren, in terms of, you know, certain people picking him out as like a, like a culprit for the game, whereas maybe Russ was saying he was actually one of the better players. Yeah, I, I think people um, are quite driven by the highlights of the game. And if you look at the highlights, what have you got? Well, you've got their two goals. Um, the second one, people say, well, could he have done more um, to sort of stop that cross going in? Um, perhaps, yeah. But on, on, on the overall play of the game, I, I, I don't think Warren, um, Warren played too badly. Um, I don't think anyone sort of played out of their skin. Um but yeah, on the whole, I thought Warren played okay. I've actually got a question for you boys about about um, about Zach Jules actually, because I spoke to um, I spoke to Joe about it and and how um, people were calling for Lewington to come on at half time. Um, do you do you guys agree with um, Russell Martin that was that was the right decision to keep Jules on um, for the second half? I'll take it if you don't mind. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. It was the correct decision. Um, no, we've, we've spoken about a lot on this episode how there's did he's so. You know, not eight nine games left where we can take the time to let his players bend to the system. Um, and Jules is priority number one, you know. Dean Lewington, yes, he, he signed a contract for next season, but 
I think anyone who watches this team week in, week out knows that Lewington isn't the long-term answer and there's been little signs. And if you read the Athletic um, uh, article um, where they did leave, where the, the reporter went into Don's sort of inside for the day, he he said in this report that, immersed in this report, that the likes of Ethan Laird, uh, Cameron Jerome, Dean Lewington, they'll be seeing less game time. And admittedly, we have seen Laird and Jerome both start games recently. So maybe that means that Lewington's going to come back at some point. But you've got to give Jules time. And as, and as Joe mentioned, he actually grew into the game. And I think the introduction of uh, Scott Fraser and Kaz really helped him because they brought a lot more energy into the game. They took hold of the ball more. There was less pressure on him trying to find passes. And, you know, people complained about him. Like, he still had a 90% pass completion. He touched the ball 124 times. That's crazy high for a defender. They speak about Harry Darling touching the ball 100 times a game. 124 times to Zach Jules. That's that's a crazy high number. So, yeah, the people's got to be patient. You know, I suppose they'll say, well, we were patient earlier in the season, so we've gone through that period now. We want to see results, but the results are meaningless. I'd rather see a team progress and try things out now, get them wrong now. And then next season, we want to be pushing for you know, top six and above where we know what works, what doesn't work. Um, of course, we'll have new players in, but you know that that's by, by every team will have that. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with Russ. Um, of course, everyone loves Louis. Louis will get to game time this season, of course, and we will get game time next season. But now, now isn't the right time for me. Uh, Joe, I'm not sure if you've got anything to add to that. Yeah, no, you've summed it up brilliantly. I just think if you look on the flip side of it, if Russ did take him off, you know, there's a couple of things to consider. One, what would it do for his confidence? Two, you know, it wasn't as if we were, I mean, you know, I didn't think, I thought we grew back into the half, but it wasn't as if we were banging on the door and, right, let's bring on the big guns, you know, let's go for it. Because, you know, we still had, if it was, and also it wasn't as if there was, a, you know, if say it was, you know, two game, two or three games to go and we're a point off the playoffs and we can get into them on, get into them if we get a win. Oh yeah, maybe now's not the time for, for you know, looking towards the future. Now's the time, you know, to, for the here and now. And, but I think, you know, it, if we came back and drew to all, then I'd feel no different about our league position than if we came back and, lost 2-1 you know it's it's immaterial really and it, I think it would do more harm towards Jules and you know oh great I've made I've had one bad half and already the manager's sick of me you know it's it's that sort of thing you know it's and and this is with Jules being asked to do something that's completely not alien as such but just just different and so yeah like I say he, he did grow into the game it's going to be it's not going to happen overnight. You know, he is still young as well. When we look at that back line, um, I don't think there's a single... Zach Jules was the oldest and he was 24 years old. So, you know, it's 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 not going to happen overnight. And we were saying, you know, we've, I don't know how many times we, we sort of say that phrase, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's a work in progress. And what better time to progress it than in competitive games with, you know, nothing riding on it on either ends of the table for us. Yeah, I mean, looking at the upcoming fixtures, you know, I'd say every team apart from maybe Fleetwood has something to play for, really. You know, we've got teams fighting for promotion in Ipswich coming up next, then Lincoln, Portsmouth, then the team scrapping at the bottom, um, Bristol Rovers, Swindon. 
and then obviously of course Fleetwood. Then there's Rochdale on the final day. So every game's gonna we're gonna have some teams going at us 100. So it's gonna be a real good test to see how this team copes and switching players around is a good thing, I think. And we may unfortunately make. No, go sorry, carry on. So I was gonna say in reality, if we finish ninth or sixteenth, the end result is pretty much exactly the same. Of course, you want to go into the end of the season feeling great and positive, but you know. If Cameron Jerome, I don't know, maybe has a championship offer in the future, uh, you know, a championship offer coming up, if that's the case, would I rather see Charlie Brown start five of the next games? Probably, yeah, I would. And if it meant we might not, you know, he might miss a few chances, the movement might not be as good. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if it means we finish 16th instead of ninth or something, then so be it. It's at the end of the day, both of those sort of mid-table positions and result in, us being in League One next season, which is going to be the case. Yeah, I think the only people that will be upset with that, Joe, is the ones that are back to finish top half, maybe in their betting accounts. But uh, you won't talk about right. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose the final point to touch upon before we move on to Ipswich on a Saturday is oh, the injuries again. Uh, Louis Thompson, wow. I mean, that guy, I love him to bits, but he seems to get injured for two seconds, doesn't he? It's it's so frustrating. I'm sure it's as frustrating for him as it is for us. Um, I suppose it gives players other opportunities, I suppose, to move in. But other than that, midfield too, and McEachern and Sermon is kind of cemented now. And uh, I suppose if well, Fraser would come back in, of course, because it's Scott Fraser. Uh, just a bit frustrating, Joe, isn't it, that we've lost Louis T again to injury? Yeah, I feel for the bloke because <laughs> it's it's quite disheartening as well because. We've seen what he can do in like two or three games back. We haven't actually seen what he can do when he's had a run of 10 games and he's up to speed. It's not, it's quite, you know, it's just so, yeah. I mean, selfishly from an MK Don's point of view, yeah, good. And also just for him, because it's just been so, he's clearly got talent and uh, yeah. But I mean, just quickly, I don't know if you're going to come on to it, but you mentioned Sermon and McEachran's sort of cemented in. I think a certain David Kasumi might have something to say about that, and he uh, he added, you know, I, I, for me, I mean, for my money, he his little cameo reminded me of some of the stuff which I completely forgot. And uh, well, for me, he was our, my player of the season. If you go like up to Christmas, he was my player of the season by by far, you know. And I, I think now he, he just showed glimmers of of right, yeah, crap, he is good, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'll put a little asterisk next to that then. For the next few games, it's Sowen and Vergekron. Um, but yeah, obviously Kaz, Kaz needs to get his minutes up still. And uh, I imagine based off what happened like on Monday, he'll get about 45 minutes maybe against Ipswich, and then we'll go from there. Um, but yeah, he looks classy. Brings so much energy and uh, on the pitch. And he's definitely, he's a proper warrior so for us. So yeah, he's class. I love him. So it'd be good to have him back and hopefully for his extended period. One other thing, just quickly on Kasumi, which we've lacked, and Russ has touched on it a couple of times, but to me, he, one word to describe Cass is he's, he's almost press resistant because of how he uses his body and how physically able he is. Like, I, you know, one a player that I can sort of compare him to is someone like, I don't know, in Dombele at Spurs, in the fact that, you know, he's so agile. And you rarely see that in the centre of midfield. You normally associate that with a winger. But his dribbling ability on the ball just to drive out of trouble. And, you know, we know he's not the most creative player. We know he's not going to be scoring 10 goals a season. But 
what he does in just getting us out of trouble. And, you know, it, like we mentioned on, um, yeah, about how maybe we were a little bit sloppy in midfield and given the, you know, how Cruz press was really good. But if you've got someone like Dave Kasumu, who there's three people bearing down on him, he drops a shoulder and le- loses them all. You know, that's something that maybe Sermon and McEachran, they kind of lack the mobility in that centre of the pitch. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a massive miss and I'm really, really intrigued to see what, what it can add to us going forward. Oh, yeah. And against well, some of the league's best as well, it's going to be interesting to see how he performs, you know, because they're the teams that we have to compete with next season, hopefully, if they're not already going up to the championship. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing them back on the pitch, especially starting as well. That'll be great. Okay, that rounds off uh, the crew review nicely. Um, we'll have a little short break before we move on to Ipswich. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, so after an Easter Monday defeat at home to Crew, the Dons were looking to bounce back uh, away to Ipswich uh, against a team who are looking to push into the playoffs perhaps and... uh, Joe, we've got the uh, lovely treat of your previews back again. So take us through the Tractor Boys for us. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 it's not not as good as having a, an Ipswich fan on, but I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, as you mentioned, Ipswich are currently sitting in eighth place. So they're on sort of the cusp of the playoffs. And um, it's been, well, a hell of a month or a hell of a few weeks for them, actually. Um, recently had Paul Cook come in as manager. Um, widely respected manager. A lot of people probably didn't think he'd come down to League One, but a real uh, coup of manager for them. And also today, a few hours ago, as we speak, the takeover's gone through. So uh, you may, maybe not this season, promotion might be a bridge too far, but I'd expect them to come back very strong uh, in uh, August. Um, but as far as their season so far, you know, we've mentioned eighth place, but it really has been quite an inconsistent season. They've had periods of good form. They've had some real awful form. Um, you know, just looking back to when we played them um, in, I can't I think it may, may have been September or October. It was, you know, one of the first sort of 10 games of the season. And uh, it was sort of the typical of the time of, um, you know, conceded an early crap goal. I think it was a, a, a hashed clearance from a corner that was then smashed in for some by met from memory. That's what it was. And uh, Harvey, Dan Harvey scored his first goal for the Dons that game. And I remember... Um, we we really really did play well that game, and it was you know, just a typical performance for that time. But as I say, since then there's been managerial changes. Um, I was just looking through sort of recent form and actually how you know the last twenty games they both us and Ipswich have played, and you know, Ipswich they they've got the fourteenth best record in the last twenty games, um, having only scored eighteen goals, but then again only conceding nineteen. So, you know, a feature as, as of late is, you know, they're not conceding many, but they certainly aren't scoring any less than a goal a game average in the last 20 games with record that sees them 14th in the league. Um, and I, I just use the last 20 games as I feel that, you know, for the start of the season, you know, it's it, a lot has changed since then. So I think it's better to just look at a different sort of uh, uh, period of games. And then just in that period for context, MK Doms, we, we've got the fifth best record in the league. Um, having scored 35, so nearly double the amount Ipswich have in the last 20 games. Um, but we've also conceded 30. Um, so two quite contrasting teams. Ipswich's games tend to be quite tight. 
And as we've seen with Dons, we've uh, well, we've lost three 0 We've won four one. We've had four threes. Uh, so yeah, all all, all go. Um, yeah, as I say, uh, one of the sort of uh, themes of uh, the form of Ipswich since Cook came in has just been a bit inconsistent, and as well as their whole season. Um, and you know they, they'll win a couple, they'll lose one, they'll draw one. Um, so it's really hard just to see what sort of Ipswich team's going to actually turn up. And um, in four of their last five games, they've actually failed to take more than ten shots. So I mean that probably explains the lack of goals. Um, and to be honest, it's quite surprising when you actually see. Um, I'm sure um, you guys are going to go into the, the sort of attacking talent that they've got at their disposal, or supposed attacking talent. Um, and the last four games, they've played a couple of different formations. They've played the four-two-three-one um, and the three-four-one-two. Um, so you know, two fairly different uh, systems. Uh, one using the wing backs, and one obviously you know more focused on having um, a few more men in the middle. I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go for the four-two-three-one to have those two holding midfielders against us. You know, ready, really going to be pressing and. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see them play that. And I think just like to mention one one uh, man is uh, in Alan Judge, who p- tends to play the number 10 in both of those systems, sitting behind the striker. Um, he's a real live wire. He's real, you know, he, he's someone that he can take a pop from 25, 30 yards, but he can also, you know, pick a pass. And he's a good League One creative player and attacking player so just something to be wary of and it looks like you know by switching to a system which uses the number 10 it's it's um you know seeing him uh have a few decent performances of late um in terms of how they play they they have got plenty of players that can play with the ball um and a few good midfielders quite classy midfielders but you know with the likes of you know james norwood up front if they do want to mix it up and go go along they do have that option also so yeah, I think it's going to be a real interesting game, and you know, with the inconsistency, I think it's going to, it's quite a hard one to call. So again, it comes down to the old, well, if we turn up, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how um, Harry Darling, Warren O'Hara uh, deal with James Norwood if he does start up front, or whether they go with him and Kane and Jackson, for example, as all their squad really has got is well full of quite physical strikers, really. So. Of course, they had the likes of Mander on on Easter Monday who they struggled to deal with at the start of the game. So, be interesting to see if they've learned anything from that game and, um, yeah, we'll have they can apply it to the game. Uh, yeah, I'm covering for Ross this week, some key players. Um, so, I'll start, first of all, with a youngster from Arsenal, with Mark, or Mark McGuinness, sorry. Um, when they were playing the four-back, the 4 4 one or 4-3-2-1, as um, Dre mentioned, he was a key feature of that side. Um especially since the turn of the year. But since the change, or the recent change, of the 3 4 one 2 McGuinness has kind of been the cash chain in that back line. So he's kind of been dropped to the bench the past two or three games, which is quite a surprise, really. He's been the best performer in the last 17, 18 games. So. But at six foot three, if he does play, he's quite a tall presence and he's comfortable on the ball. Um, so, yeah, I think if he can start a lot of attacks from the back and even if it is maybe a bit more direct, he'll likely be the guy who's knocking it up to a Jackson or a Norwood at, a Norwood at front. Another player that's worth a mention for me is Andre Dezel. Um I believe he got a lot of uh, praises in the first time we played Ipswich because um, Ipswich fans were calling him to come back into the team. And since he has done that, he's been brilliant. Um, box box midfielder uh, with 1.3 passes per key game. 
And alongside that is also 1.7 interceptions and tackles per game also. So he's very much the engine uh, to this Cook side. And uh, despite Cook saying he's got a, in his, well, he's not changing his voice every two seconds. Uh, he's sort of saying how this team's got a lack of quality in it. And um, the performance maybe aren't matching what he's maybe desiring. Um, I feel Dizel is the one of the key um, anomalies to that role. And um, yeah, he's one to watch out for, definitely. Um, I believe, uh, Jack, you want to talk about Gwian Edwards. I'll let you talk about Gwian. And also, if you want to add any other thoughts regarding Ipswich, uh, feel free. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think Gwion Edwards perhaps might be the most popular of the Ipswich players to most sort of League One fans. Um, obviously, he's playing that right wing back position this season, played it last season as well. Um, he's got five goals and four assists. Uh, so a very good return from that position. And I think you actually put in your notes um, that he's averaging 2.6 tackles a game and 1.5 interceptions. So he's clearly doing a good job going back as well. Um, so yeah, I think uh, he's actually been touted because he's, he's leaving on a free and his uh, contract expires in the summer. So I know he's been touted for championship move. I think football inside of uh, LinkedIn to Preston and also to Sunderland should they go up, obviously. Um, so yeah, I think he's really one to look forward to um, on the weekend. Um, definitely someone who could cause us issues down the right hand side. Um, in regards to Ipswich themselves, uh, since Paul Cook's come in charge, um, I think they've, they've they've won three, drawn three, and lost three. So really a mixed bag of form. Uh, yeah, re- really mid-table. You're really form. inconsistent then. <laughs> well, well, it, well, consistent. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> not not exactly the form you'd expect from a Paul Cook side in League One. Um, but yeah, it's only been nine games. So I think if they don't make the playoffs this season, which I don't think they will, um, I really do think that they will, with the right recruitment, challenge for the playoffs next season. Um, in regards to their home form, um, they've actually lost six games at home this season, but their last uh, home loss actually came in at the end of January. Uh, I think it was a 1-0 loss to Sunderland. So it's by no means going to be an easy game on the weekend. Um, so it's going to be one which is going to be, I think, a 1-0 um, or perhaps a 0-0. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's sort of my, my verdict on Ipswich. Um, I think if we turn up, I think it could be um, a really good day out for us. Um, nice pitch as well, or nicer than a lot of the other pitches we've seen in League One. Um, I think it should be a really entertaining game for us. Okay, brilliant. Um, I'm going to dive into our predicted starting 11s now uh, for the game. Uh, so, Jerry, I'll kick off with yourself. Um, what 11 do you reckon Russ Martin is going to uh, submit for the game on Saturday? Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't think there'll be too much change because um, I think that as we mentioned, you know, we did grow into that crew game and I think dropping some players might send out, maybe not the right method, I, I don't know, um, but I, I've gone for Fish, Warren O'Hara, Harry Darling, I've stuck with Zach Jules. I think that, you know, as, as we said, he may have had a few sticky moments, but yeah, if he's going to be having those sticky moments, let's have let him have them in these sorts of games. You know, it's not going to make a difference. Oh, if we foot, if we fall down to 15th by the end of play on Saturday, I won't be that bothered. But if we're up to 11th equally, I won't be that bothered. So I think, um, you know, Zach Jules, I'm more than happy for him to have another go. I think Dan Harvey's more than deserved a, a, another start. And, you know, really hope he does start getting a run of games. Um, and Ethan Laird as well, I think he'll, I think he'll be in. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Matty Soronola start ahead of Ethan Laird potentially, just in regards to, you know, what what um, Russ mentioned in terms of maybe looking towards next season and, you know, who knows who's going to be in next season in, in terms of Ethan Laird and Matty Saranola, but maybe maybe that might be one uh, change. Um, I've stuck with Sermon and Josh McEachran. 
I'd love to put Cass in there, but I, I can't see it. And I think Thompson, you know, I don't think Thompson's going to be available for the game. Um, I've gone with Matt O'Reilly behind, and then I've gone with Scott Fraser coming in for Louis Thompson. I think Fraser had a really good cameo um, from the bench. And I think one thing that was quite crucial as well with Fraser is he, he was getting stuck in as well. He was doing the dirty work. He was really, he put a shift in and he, he did sort of, he, there was a bit more urgency when he came on. And um, I'm going to go for Will Grigg up front as well. I think that maybe 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 Russ is going to rotate leading um, leading up to to the final part of the season. But one thing I wouldn't be surprised with, and I I know that for a fact um, Russ has mentioned Charlie Brown's an Ipswich fan, so I wouldn't be surprised if Russ has said, you know, go on, you can have today's game, or maybe we we switch it around a little bit, and maybe we go to two strikers. So maybe we have a Grigg and a Brown. Just an idea, just a thought, but I would not be surprised to see maybe the Swiss system tweaked slightly out and maybe Charlie Brown starting. Interesting. So say if you were to switch system and put Charlie Brown and Greg up front, who would you sacrifice to do that? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> um, <I'd, laughs> I think I think maybe Maquette Crun purely because I've believe Sermon's a bit more of a safe bet defensively. I think okay. McEachran's brilliant at that ball retention and I think on the ball McEachran's just as good as anyone in this team. However I think if you're going to leave someone on their own in that single pivot I think you know with the experience of Sermon you know he might get caught out the odd time with pace or whatever but I think you know, he does have that know-how and, you know, we've been saying for years about Dean Lewington's pace, but if, you, if you've got that know-how, you can, you, you know, you, you tend to use that a bit. So, yeah, I'd say Sermon probably edges it for me. I think Russ would tr- trust him a bit more. Yeah, okay. So McEachran comes out <laughs> yeah, to answer yeah. your question. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, you'd probably go for it then, wouldn't you? But yeah, you'd have Fraser, O'Reilly, uh, Browder, Grigger on the pitch at the same time. That's a proper attacking like it. Um, my starting eleven is exactly the same as yours, Joe. Um, I think secretly, secretly, Russ is wanting. Well, he's not familiar with secretly wanting, but he wants him back. But I think he's going to play him a lot more in his last uh, sort of eight or nine games. Um, as you mentioned, I think it'll be a combination of him and Charlie Brown. Um, I think. Well, we speaking to it. I think Jerome is good as gone. Um, he, he probably would have gone in January if he had the choice, um, but. Luckily, he stayed around and he's still doing well for us. But yeah, I think Will Griggs going to see a lot more game time uh, with the hope that we can sign him permanently in the summer. Um, and I think with the way that some of the playing at the moment, I think that's a very good chance of that happening. Um, and yeah, for the guy the rest positions, obviously we've spoken a lot about Jules' episode. Uh, he's going to stick with him, I imagine. Uh, no reason not to. Lou will get a few games here and there, but I still think Jules will, a bit like Griggs, play the majority of them. Uh, yeah, Dan Harvey um, played well. No reason to drop him. Um, Akekran, not sure why I got so much criticism to be honest, he'll play again and the rest of the team, I picked itself with Louis Thompson out, so um, yeah, that's me um, Jack, what's your starting eleven looking like for Saturday? Uh, so the same goalkeeper and defence as you boys, uh, so Fisher Goal, Harvey O'Hora, Darlin, Jules and Laird, um, I don't see any reason to switch any of them. Um, in regards to the midfield I've actually opted for a Sermon, O'Reilly, Fraser, and also David Kasumu to uh, make a start. I know it maybe 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 a okay. bit premature, but I think he he played a good amount of minutes on uh, on on Monday. I can't I can't recall how much, but it was it was at least over thirty, right? Um, I, I could I could see him starting and maybe coming off after fifty. Um, I'd like to see him play. I'd like to see him start. 
Um, and then up front, I've opted for Will Grigg, but I put in brackets, you could expect Charlie Brown. So similar to you, Jay. Hey. Okay. I'm not going like bad, <laughs> I like it. I like it. nice and bold. Because uh, be, that would be bold, to be fair. See, I'm not sure if Russ is playing the mind games there. He said he needs a few more games, Kaz, to get back to full fitness. Um, but I, I'll be against him starting for sure. He's uh, obviously got the quality, and he, we, sh- we saw against uh, Crew how he's uh, so really energetic himself. So, yeah, I'm all for it. There's one thing we know about David Kasuma is that he just runs around. So, I'm sure fitness isn't the biggest of his, of his issues. <laughs> Yeah, he's been training for weeks as well. So literally, it's just match fitness, isn't match it? Sharpness, he's got, yeah, he's definitely. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, we're going to score predictions finally. Uh, Jack, I believe you said yours is going to be 1-0, right? Yeah, I said a 1-0 or a 0-0. I think I'll go for a 1-0 for Dons. Um, I'm going to go for a Charlie Brown goal. Uh, yeah, 1-0 to the Dons. Will he celebrate? Okay, I like it. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, I've gone 1-1 personally. Um Still a good point, in my opinion. Not that the points really matter at this stage of the season for us. Um, I'd happily see us, well, a bit negative, I'd happily see us lose and put a really good performance rather than us you know, win terribly or draw pretty averagely. Uh, but yeah, I think one one's a fair result. Ipswich aren't knocking up any trees and uh, don't think we are really in the season either, to be honest, trying to experiment with new things. So one one seems about right, to be honest. Um, Joe, what, what's your thoughts regarding the score prediction? Yeah, I've gone along with Jack as well. I've gone 1-0 Don's win. I think one feature of the away games against the so-called bigger teams in the league, you know, big pitches, nice pitches that actually have grass on. And we seem to, you know, soak up pressure quite well. And we've seemed to, you know, think back to Hull, Chalt and Sunderland. You know, they've all been narrow victories where we've defended really well. And I don't see why, you know... Maybe, um, you know, maybe Ipswich aren't quite of that quality, but I don't see why we can't go there, really dominate the ball, play our game and and, and, and nick a goal. So I'm going 1-0, Doms. OK, I like it. All getting something through the game, so that's a nice and positive. And yeah, yeah, I could definitely see a 1-0. So Ipswich aren't, I said, knocking up any trees, not really scoring a lot of goals. So yeah, we could definitely nick one and take the three points for sure. Just to boost our uh, playoff chance. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, we've got eight games left, win them all. Yeah. Charged to eighth place. <laughs> okay. Well, that rounds off nicely episode 44. Thank you on podcast. Uh, Jack, thank you very much for taking the time to come on this evening. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Insight is very valuable as always. Um, and yeah, if you could rate, review, and subscribe, uh, that'd be excellent. And as always, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.